Hello and welcome to episode number 11, not 12, of the Who Art Thou podcast. I'm Barra the host and today I'm delighted to have Kian from Somebody's Child on. We chat about how Kian got into music originally, uh, his initial interests and what led to the formation of Somebody's Child and how the band got started off. Um, the band's two releases, uh, 20-something and Hope Amongst Other Things, as well as talking about the Irish music scene and what the band is currently working on. I'm a big, big fan of Somebody's Child. Kean was actually one of the first people to give me the opportunity of designing for a band um, when I was starting off as a designer in Dublin, uh, which really helped me get started. Um, so it was very special and amazing to have them on and uh, really hope you enjoyed. Here's the theme music from the lovely Zach Stevenson. So this is the, I think, episode number 12 of the Who Art Thou podcast, and we're here with Kean of Somebody's Child. Kean, thank you so much for coming on. This is class. <laughs> How are you been keeping? Hey, bro. I'm all good, good, man. Thank you for having me on. Really excited. It's weird chatting to you in like a professional sense. It's normally cans. <laughs> yeah. Talking Big to time. you. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I have done a few podcasts, though, so it's actually, it's a nice, it's a nice change from, say, the likes of a radio interview where it is a bit more like... Jeez, yeah. I have to be careful what I'm saying here. So um, just say just that you, the odd swear word doesn't matter. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, fair play to you. They're going. They're going really well. I see. So yeah, they're off. going pretty good. So, they're going pretty good so far. I've been. I think I'm. In, uh, I was lucky that I was in a position where I knew a few people in the music industry and artists that I could ask very bit. Like by curious being the first guest was fantastic, and then Jen Alla being yeah. the second one was all great. But yeah, no, going good so far. Anyway, cool. I'm still doing them, so that's that's that. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, sure, we'll get yeah. on. With I mean, that's the... yeah. <laughs> no, sorry, go on, go on. Say what you're saying. Damn lag on Zoom. Uh, I just no, it's just no, fair, no fair play to you for 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 actually doing that. Like, I'm just thinking uh, if it actually takes off because the amount of kind of push that Spotify are giving it now. Imagine if that became like your primary thing. You just became a podcast. Oh man, you're fucking just... mental. Like, <laughs> yeah, because to be honest, That'd as be cool. like the only reason why I started do- like I always talked about doing it, but because of this. You know, there was no designing to be done. Like very few people were releasing music. Um, so that mm. was kind of out the window. So this was it was just kind of the perfect time to start it. But um, we'll get on here. So the first question is, if you were to meet somebody who never heard your music, how would you describe it to them? Uh, okay, so I guess I've come back and forth about what the music is or how to define somebody's child, I suppose, in my head. And uh, I've, I've kind of always kind of come to the conclusion eventually that I don't like to do to define it. I suppose it's it's yeah. uh, it is supposed to be quite genre fluid in a sense. And every time I've tried to be like, right, no, no, I know what it is now. Um, it's really hindered my creativity. And this is this is happening at the moment with the, the album where I was like, I really want to. This album's going to be different. I'm going to approach music differently. 
and it's going to be like this these are my influences i want it to be like this you know i figured like i've done my ten thousand hours now i can write songs and I'm, I'm happy and confident with my skill level so i now want to put shape this a little bit differently and look at it in a different sense and it was quite hindering for for a little while and it took took a little bit to for me to realize uh that i think you know you're not supposed to do that once you start limiting yourself um creatively you know in your head then i think that's an issue i think if you like limit yourself with gear and stuff sometimes that can be quite quite uh quite good because you're you know you're stuck using you know various different things sometimes if you only have like a guitar and a mic in a room you'll do a completely different song but i think if you limit yourself in in, in that kind of headspace um it can be quite hindering. I'm completely going off on a tangent here, but You're fine, okay. So basically, <laughs> I, I would say that I would say that uh, other people would define it as kind of indie rock, indie pop, um, and I would say that that's not wrong. But at the same time, from my perspective, uh, I, I like I don't like to think that I'm uh, this or that. If that yeah. makes sense. In terms of like uh, when you're saying there about uh, writing songs, do you find yourself you're writing because you're at a comfortable point now where you can write songs for yourself rather than thinking about what other people are going to think of the songs? Is that what you mean by that? I think I've just like I've come to learn uh, to have a huge amount of respect for the art of songwriting itself. I don't think I mean, yes, for me, it is a very therapeutic thing, but I've just come to learn what it is you know and what's needed to write a song and and essentially for me i just want to act as that vessel to kind of let this song come from wherever it is you know whether it's my subconscious or or whatever you want to however spiritual you want to think about it you know um it it's i am just you know a medium for that song to be able to come out and that doesn't necessarily you know you can you can approach a lot of people approach songs very differently you know some people start with lyrics i find that quite hard as i said that is kind of limiting in my in my mind because you're constantly trying to match the mood of a song to the lyrics what i prefer to do is you know get the mood of the song which is coming from a place you know i feel this way it's not just you know coincidence that i'm just playing this particular chord progression you know that's probably so in some in some way or form a reflection of how i feel and then as a result you kind of start singing melodies and shaping some sort of sound around these around these kind of chords and then and then from that these kind of words start spitting out and you try and make sense of the song it's a little bit like a puzzle like it's probably the best way yeah for me to describe it no, um, i get that so so that's me in a nutshell, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've just gone through everything in about 30 seconds there. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, but what was, like, what were your kind of your first influences in music in towards of kind of shaping the, the sound that you are now? Because I know you were, you come from a very classical background. Was, you, was it your mom was a classic? She's big into classical music. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a classical background. They got me into piano at like five. Uh, so I had to do the grades and stuff, which was obviously classical music. And my mom is um a classic i think she's definitely loves classical music but like at the same time she she just kind of sticks on lyrics lyric fm i'm not sure if she is like an advocate for particular artists or music or, i don't there was never that um huge passion for for music in in my house the same way i think it might have been for a lot of my peers in college and stuff um so i definitely had to find that road i think by myself and, and there was a couple of friends and stuff along the way that definitely got me into music more and more so but uh but yeah, I think the kind of founding fathers, I suppose, of, of somebody's <laughs> child came came at an end of at, like at an age of like nineteen. Um, you know, when you start to really discover your own identity and sense of yeah, yeah. music, and and I think the Arctic Monkeys were were a big part of that at the time. Um, 
and they were probably the one that broke me away from you know my dad had some great music taste don't get me wrong and he slates me for saying this in interviews but uh, <laughs> it was a limited it was a limited selection uh that we had in in the car we i just remember dylan? when i was a kid bob dylan uh no actually i don't know it was bob marley we had bob marley we had bob marley. Dire Straits. we had bob marley we had you two we had uh we had Leonard Cohen, he loves Leonard Cohen, and Tom oh, Waits. So yeah. there was the five of them, I just remember being around all the time on, on car journeys. But there was never like a, you know, a huge introduction to music kind of thing. And I think it took, um, yeah, I'm surprised I'm actually in music as a result of that, because if I hadn't had a couple of friends along the way who were, you know, writing songs as well, I would have probably just kept doing it in my in my bedroom and talking yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> Do you remember actually what the first instruments you ever bought was? I ever bought um I'd say it was probably probably a guitar at like 20 like I was yeah. always I, I learned them well I think we rented a piano when I lived in Paris and then my brother got a guitar before me and then I kind of robbed that off him to learn when I was like 15 16 so I just taught myself off YouTube or something and then uh and then I probably bought my first guitar when I was like 20 yeah why is it? I don't know what it is with uh, you hear people play. Like my first instrument was robbed off my cousin because his, his mom was like, his my cousin's cousin not playing that bass guitar. You can just nick it and bring it down to Dublin with you. Every I think everybody's first instrument is always it's never something brand new. It's always somebody else's. But um, yeah, it's because I mean that's what parents 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 yeah. hate to uh, like they buy instruments like oh my kid's gonna play guitar when he's older. It's like you have them don't you know it's the most. <laughs> It's probably the most given up on um, hobby in the world. Hobby, yeah. Do you know actually where did um, where did somebody's child come from? Because the my first kind of introduction to it was when you were doing was it a branding project in BIM? Like I didn't know you were going to make it into this music project. It was I, it was you had to do T-shirts or something and a and a mock up album cover. It was my first kind of sighting of it. Do you remember the kid with the bag? Yeah, on his head? it was a. Prof- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a professional project. So I had to basically come up with the, and, and I guess this is the, this is how it all started. I, I had kind of done the pub scene in Dublin for a couple of years and I was just disheartened from the whole thing. You know, people just want you to play covers and you don't, weren't really getting to, I suppose, express yourself. And, and obviously, you know, you need a little bit of flattery at the start to give you that sense of confidence, I suppose. And, and I just wasn't sure. getting that. And um, I think I, so this professional project came about and it was like, what are you going to do? So you had to come up with some sort of professional idea that was um, somewhat viable. And uh, I got the, I still loved songwriting. That was at the core of everything I did. So I was like, right, I want to, you know, become like, make, make a goal for myself to kind of get a, a publishing contract, which is, uh, people don't know the kind of songwriting side of, of the music industry. Uh, so you kind of get like advances and stuff and you've worked with other writers and you just uh, write artists, write songs for other artists um, mm-hmm. who maybe didn't write songs and like, like to co- collaborate with a lot of people. So uh, so that was it. I was just like, right, I want to I want to pick a name that's, uh, you know, not not um, really defining whether it's a male or a female, a band or a, or a solo artist. It just was completely anonymous. And, and that helped in the kind of genre fluidity as well, because I wasn't sure what area or genre I wanted to go into. And um, so, so it was quite anonymous and even somebody's child, it's kind of like, sounds like a lost kid or something like, you know, it, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it kind of has that, that anonymity in, in the, in the meaning itself. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where it started. Yeah. But the reason why I did it and I wanted, I wanted to brand it as that was because I, I, I learned that, you know, 
how much would Ed Sheeran's songs be worth if he wasn't Ed Sheeran? You know, you, you need to have some some kind of thing behind it. So I was like, right, so I might pu- push myself as an artist because I know that's the, probably the easiest way to get into this. And then hopefully off the back of that, I'll be able to, to you know, get some get some um, some headway with the on the publishing side. And here I am, four, four years later or something, still, uh, still in the, still in the same place probably. But nonetheless, <laughs> I, I, I developed a love again for playing live in, in doing that. Um, so that professional project that I did in fourth year been turned into this, this uh, flourishing career. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're not um, doing too bad now. To be fair, you've over a million streams in total on, on Spotify. Like. <laughs> But uh, uh, yeah, you're saying you. love, um, of, love of performing live. Where? Uh, how did your first live shows go? Like the very first ones. Like I know you were saying you did the pub things, but with Somebody's Child, how did those ones go? Like was it? Was there much of a difference um, between playing with pe- playing by yourself and then playing with the band? Huge, huge. Uh, yeah, that gave me all the confidence. I think it, they were shite. Like they were, they were not good. <laughs> but uh, was the sh- but was, was the, the one up and step aside the first one? No, no, that was uh, that was no. That I think we'd done a few gigs in Wheelands. I think Dave Allen from Wheelands gotten on to us, or not gotten on to us, but had allowed us to do these midnight shows that happened after people's headline shows upstairs in Wheelands. Um, I think oh, right. our manager at the time just stuck us in for like we did about ten of them, and we got paid like I think it's you get paid about seventy five quid between you, so we got about fifteen quid each. Um, yeah for playing those gigs it was a half hour set and there was no one there just drunk people you know the way you go in and Mick Pyro's playing yeah. or something upstairs it's one of them things that people are just pissed and you know Plastered they're watching you play or whatever <laughs> yeah that's it um so uh that that's where we kind of started started getting the the ropes I suppose but but yeah even just playing with musicians on stage even though there was no one in front of us there's still that you're still developing this sense of kind of camaraderie and there's this mm. uh, connection that you feel being able to perform with other people that you will never get by performing on your own. And I think that in itself is, is a, is a huge confidence boost and, and um, made me start to discover what live performances could be like. And also I wasn't just relying on my playing as a guitarist, which is pretty weak. Um, and I started to discover that, Oh, I actually like performance um, in mm. a kind of, whether that's just singing or whether that's guitar, we only had four people at the time. So I played a lot of guitar back then, but like I used to do oh. acting and stuff in school and, and this kind of, uh, I, I was kind of channeling this, this experience I had with acting, um, at the time. And, and, uh, I suppose that, that all amalgamated into this, this passion for now playing live, which became a, obviously a big part of our brand now. Mm. And, um, in terms of like you were saying, you only had four members, how did you go about actually setting up the actual band? Like, how did you get Jesse involved? I know like Patty, obviously we went to school with him and, mm-hmm. um, Shay and all, and Dan, how how like how did that form? Was this just you just were picking musicians that you wanted to join with you, or? Yeah, I guess I didn't really have a band or anything in BIM. So when I was doing it, a Carl White, a friend of mine, was um, doing demos for me back in college because he was studying tra- uh, sound engineering, and he he had worked with this band, the Weather Underground, that Dan was in. So I had Dan come in just to do a yeah. couple of demos in in Carl's gaff, I think, in the back in the back garden. We spent the summer <laughs> doing a bit of demos there, and. Uh, so that's how Dan kind of got involved. But at the start, it was like, do you want to be in a band? And like, I think the yeah. the consensus was, well, are we going to get paid? And I was like, <laughs> pro- pro- probably not. That's a bad question to start with. Um, you know, as I said, 75 quid a gig for the first 10 gigs. Like there wasn't much going. Yeah. But uh, 
But yeah, then Paddy, as he said, was in school with us, and Jesse was in BIM. So BIM did give me a couple of contacts, that's for sure. Um, and yeah, so that's just kind of how it started. I just like was like, right, who the hell am I going to get to play around me? Because at the time, I I don't know if you remember, I'd actually released Make You Alright. So I didn't have yeah. the band yet. And I was like, maybe this is just going to be this thing where you don't play live, just releases. And then we yeah, started to get some label yeah. interest and stuff. And uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, no, we started no, to get no, some sorry. label interest. And then we, uh, we I, they were like, right, so we need to start seeing you play live. And then my manager at the time was like, all right, you need to get a band around you, like stat. So that's what I did. So I just picked the four people who were, you know, the closest to me. And, you know, I knew they had bags of potential. Um, so that that's just how it started. Yeah. And actually, uh, I have a story about Make You All Right, but I don't know if I should say it. Uh, no, fuck it. I'll say it and we can cut it out if it's not worth it. But <laughs> I was with I was with Dan, who was the producer for Make You All Right uh, one night. And oh, Toes yeah. Had just come, and Toes had just come out. And he goes, yeah. uh, he just, he's, and I, I didn't, he was talking about somebody's child for, he was talking about the two songs for kind of a while. And I was wondering why, and I didn't really cop on to it that obviously he produced Make You All Right. And he was talking about toes and he goes, uh, what do you, what do you make of toes? And I was like, I kind of preferred it to make you all right. And he goes, I just, I really liked it. And I love the, I love, and I stupidly said, I love the production on it. And I just look at him and he just has his face and it's like, you produced make you all right, didn't you? And he goes, yep. And I was like, oh, there we go. The whole room. <laughs> no, we've actually gone, we went back to like Dan's an amazing producer. We've gone He's back an amazing to producer. And, uh, yeah. She did monkey stuff as well. He's a fantastic producer. I just really put my foot in at that particular night. <laughs> I remember yeah, Zach yeah, was yeah. beside me going, um, oh, Barra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that sounds good. like an awkward one, all right. Yeah. But uh, no, Dan's a legend. And we went back, went back to him for distance and did all the all the, uh, all the the guitars and stuff there. It was great. Um, and we've kind of been, been to a, a couple of producers now. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think you do need to... to to try and test the waters as a, as an artist because you need to know what works for you and what what doesn't and um, yeah. I think you'll always have that like oh what if what if um, if you if you don't kind of test that around and and uh, and sometimes you end up going back to the to the exact same person and it's like right well that that definitely doesn't work best but obviously producers have their own strengths like I mean Shay produces all of our stuff now pretty much and we just get it mixed which is uh, something we never had before so he produces and then we get it mixed yeah so the hope amongst other things ep was produced up in up in attica studios with tommy mclaughlin uh from villagers and stuff and uh then we were doing this next ep and we were still waiting to see if this label deal was going to come through and uh and all this stuff and we were like we might as well just do it ourselves um because we did 20 something ourselves as well well shay shay did it mainly producing wise and then, um, so this next EP that's coming out is, is entirely ourselves as well, which is so handy because we ke- we get to keep that creative control, I think as well, which is it can't be understated. Um, I think it's diff- it's like you can pay a lot of money and and you know the songs can come out not as you wish, you know. So there's a risk yeah. involved in everything, and and I think that uh, just because of the the style of song that we want from this EP, I think it's uh, it's extremely suited. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, yeah, production is is a, it's a really it's a trial and error thing, really. Um, and I think you'll always kind of be trying trying different stuff. And at the moment, what works for us may not work for us next time, and and so on. But yeah, uh, but yeah sure it's going well so far. Evolving kind of thing, making sound. Especially at the moment, though. Like I'm sorry, I'm, no, I'm talking to people no, who no, just no, can't get bookings Don't. in for 
can't get bookings in for like till August, you know, um, and can't Jesus. then release music, you know. So yeah, uh, it is a it's a tricky one, and we've had this studio that thankfully me and Trey have just been able to go in in our in our bubble, just the two of us, the uh, for for the majority of it, and definitely for the, for this last lockdown, which is you know in my opinion the hardest. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I guess I can't really remember the question at all. Production, yes. Oh, is that yeah. But actually before like cause it, we I know you released two EPs over lockdown. Just before we kind of move on, I just want to ask you one question. When um you were starting off in your initial stages, you always kind of covered your face in press photos and stuff. Uh why did you mm. do that originally and why did you stop? So uh I think when I look back, I definitely think it was like I was probably a little bit shy putting it out. It's a really, really tough thing putting out music for the first time. Yeah. Especially in kind of small Dublin where everyone kind of knows everyone and, and you're kind of like, you know, you don't want you don't want it to be absolutely crap and everyone just to be fucking yeah. slating it. So I suppose there was an element <laughs> of that looking back, but at the time I definitely wouldn't have thought so. I think it was more so in in keeping with somebody's child and an 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 uh, anonymous, excuse me. Um, theme I think that that was the main kind of factor in it and and it was that element of you know I don't want to be creatively restricted by picking this one style so I'm going to be anonymous but but it's 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 uh, quickly became quite apparent that in order to do it right and be able to do it on stage and stuff you'd have to have a a good bit of money to like get some sort of mask or something and like yeah. you have to be really sure that that's the direction you want to go like is is that what you want to do and and then and then most importantly I think um, a couple of people kept asking me on the radio and stuff. And I was like, Oh, it's for this and that. And it became more about that than the music itself. And what I feel is that I have quite a, you know, I like to wear my heart, on my sleeve and, and talk about things that have affected me and stuff. And I just thought that how are you supposed to make a connection with a fan with through your music? If you're not willing to identify yourself as well, you know? Yeah. So, um, I just thought that that was a, an important thing that somebody had brought up once and made me, made me think about it. So all of those things kind of, uh, in one was was kind of why I gave it up but yeah at the start it was like I don't want this to be about the vanity that's you know always associated with the music industry and kind of the entertainment industry in general I want this to be about my music and then suddenly people just keep asking about you know the face thing it's like right well this is obviously becoming yeah exactly like like, this is actually becoming more of an issue I remember when I was younger what was it um bands like I listened to Obviously, I listened to Slipknot when I was when I was like fourteen, big into heavy metal. But there was another band like called Hollywood and Dead that I listened to for well their first album, not so much their second. But they wore masks on stage as well. They still do. But you see them do interviews, and people would ask them about the mask, and they'd get pissed off when people ask them the mask. And it's like you're the one fucking doing it. So, um, yeah. but it was the same. Th- this, but they actually wanted the opposite they didn't want to be recognized by anybody they didn't want to be associated so it makes and it's like how are you mm. exactly what you're saying is like how are you meant to have a personal kind of connection with somebody if you know when you're writing personal music if they don't know what you look yeah. like no it yeah, makes yeah. sense exactly um but uh so you released two eps over well locked i know you had 20 something was written long before covid was even a thing i think mm. wasn't it it was wasn't it it was definitely written was, anyways yeah yeah definitely written and then uh, hope amongst other things your latest one um were you you were writing that while were you writing that while 20 something was coming out you see like do you write do you uh, write constantly actually you yeah yeah we have that on a very constant basis yeah no i mean yeah songwriting as i said is definitely at the core of everything we do i never i you know i i would always always be writing um there's definitely periods when releases are happening because i do a lot of the 
I try and help a lot with the marketing and promotion and stuff on my own in, in Dublin and or in Ireland even. Um, just thanks to kind of connections that I've I've been able I've been lucky enough to make over the last while, but uh, and that does take you away from it. So there are a co- a kind of a month or two periods. To be honest, like my this is only going my memory's only going back as far as COVID because I can't really remember what <laughs> went on before that. So I, I never even think about the fact that we played live. But yeah, I mean at the moment we try and I just try and write all the time. It's what I love to yeah. do, you know. And 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 there's nothing there's no better feeling than you know coming out with something than you're like it's so impressed with yourself like for having done that and you can't believe that you know you were able to bring that into the world you know i suppose i sound like i have a, i had a kid there or something but like um <laughs> there's nothing wrong being proud it's, of uh, it's a funny work, one like. but, i think um, i mean for me it's just like it's for me it's just like listening to this song that you know you've created on the drive on, on the drive home and I don't know, everything just starts to kind of make sense. You know, you've yeah. put in all this time and all this work and suddenly you have this this thing and this is a, a reflection of all that work that you've put in. I think that um, it's a, a testament, you know, which is nice. It's it's, it's uh, something that is it's, it's addictive, you know, and, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to do for a long time. Yeah, I, like and well, hopefully, yes. Uh, well, the way you keep going, for sure. And I was just noted, like with um with hope amongst other things, I noticed like well I don't know you might not disagree, but th- there was a noticeable stylistic change in it. Was that like um was that just a natural thing, or did you go into the EP going like we should we should flip this up just a little bit? So that that hope amongst other things was a stranger one because we just started working with the label and we wanted to put out they wanted to put out some music they're quite kind of release heavy. And uh, mm. I was like, okay, cool. Well, we have all these songs, you know, from before. Some of them where we've played, but maybe have not had, you know, the the chance to maybe make it out into the world. But with the label, they could really, really kind of take a life of their own. Like the likes of Top Tour Romance, which we've had for since the start, the, pretty much the first song that started Somebody's Child. But it's just never been, we've constantly been writing. And then this song come about and it's like, oh, this one's new. So we'll release that. And then it yeah. gave us this, this, um, this opportunity to release songs that, you know, maybe otherwise wouldn't have been released. So um, that was a really cool way, I think, of, of doing Hope amongst other things. But it's very different than 20-something had been written in the same time period. So I think had a more kind of gelled sound as a body of work. But then yeah. to- what I liked about Hope was that it had these two old songs, Lost and Top Drawer, and these two newer songs, which were, to answer your last question, written before the release of 20-something. Um, in Bundoran during a session that is actually the, oh, the remaining yeah, that songs. So the remaining songs that we wrote up there are actually being released pretty much entirely on the next EP coming out. So um, <laughs> a lot of these things kind of get written in a quite short space of time. You're writing for six months and like then these four songs pop out and you're like, all right, that's the songs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so we had this like hope amongst other things in my head with this tr- kind of transition from the old style of, of writing, which was the kind of, start of somebody's child and this new style of writing which was um you know brother and and the lover which was a lot more kind of i suppose rougher and more experimental than before yeah. um and i was kind of thinking that maybe this is like a you know a way to this is solidifying what direction we're going in but then you write these other songs and and it all just gets thrown up again so um <laughs> i'm just not sure what to think anymore it's so hard for me to know what's going to come out next but that's the excitement of it i suppose as well so uh, you have to cherish that yeah I, like I, i'm when i li- was listen when i listened to hope amongst other things the first time the first thing that i noticed was that the songs were quite um 
I know this sounds very simplistic ways, but they're quite big. They're very like there. There's a lot, lot in them. But I notice as well is that yeah. like, you've kind of um. And I don't mean this in a bad way. Twenty something had all these kind of stylistic things on it, and then I found with Hope mm-hmm. it's like it's um zeroing in on what like on a very particular sound like the, it was that again was that just a natural thing or was it like we, we're trying to shape it into this one particular thing no i would have said the opposite actually funnily enough i would have thought that hope was because they were written at such different times very um well different in sound you know but they were actually all recorded with the same mixing engineer at the same during the same four days in the same studio. Oh. So maybe sonically there was this um so that was with Tommy McLaughlin up on Alakin. Yeah, I didn't mean I didn't so maybe mean there was this the like Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, I should okay, yeah. have made that apparent. Um, I didn't mean lyrically. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, I would I would, I know what you, I think I know what you mean, but from having listened to them so much so often, I probably am not yeah. able to, <laughs> to quite get the same the same uh the same impression. But yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a strange thing being able to kind of separate yourself from those songs because the amount of time and, you know, experiences that those songs are associated with, um, makes you think of them as something that, you know, everyone has their own opinions about different types of music. And that's why I I try not to go into them too much, but, um, but yeah, just funny what you're saying that, cause I can't, I can't exactly see that the way that my relationship is with them is obviously very different to yours. So it's funny. Um, and what was it? Oh, what was I trying to think? Oh, I had a, oh, by the way, I had one very important question, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't even know you could do this with, well, it's not a very important question, but, um, with the vinyl release for Hope, how, how was that prep? I never heard of the way that you, way that you're making them. So if you want to explain, it's, it's, re- is a recycled kind of material that it's made, so it's, made from? It's, um, so everyone always gets, so the, I think the idea is now that I will, I look after most of this. So I just had to say yes and no. But uh, yeah. what it is, is uh, I try and be as environmentally friendly as possible with with regards to, you know, stuff that I'm putting out into the world. But uh, the the vinyl itself is a culmination of whatever they have left. Uh, so the vinyls are, I think it must be some sort of like paint or something that they use for, or material that they use to make the vinyl itself uh, that I know nothing about. Yeah, I, I feel no like I sound pretty stupid like here. I have like 40 of them but, over there and I still don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, so I think people choose all these different colors and basically they get left with this like mix of like loads of different ones. So I'm pretty sure they put that in a boiling pot. It comes out a certain color. You don't know what it is until they're out, but they're all around the same color, the ones in your batch. Yeah. Um, and then, and then that's your color. So it's made from like, so it's not making any more of the materials they already have pretty much. So uh, it's, it's it, everyone has it, its own unique design, which I thought was pretty cool. And we don't really know what's, what color it's going to come out, but uh but it's going to be a color. Let's just hope it's not like yeah. horrible brown or something. Um, but oh, yeah, I think imagine? people are starting to use it more and more. I know, I know. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, there's all these like different colors. Like it's definitely going to turn out something kind of manky. Too brown, but yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> no, like literally like uh, over, over quarantine, I got myself a record player and have spent Bandy. way too much money on getting, getting oh, like, expensive really, hobby, man. really. Oh man, it's ridiculously expensive. And I get, I bought into this kind of like the limited edition pressing things when I first started Oof. off. And uh, Zach actually, Zach actually was like, dude, seriously, you're spending way too much money. So I had to just cut it out. Yeah. But the second I saw, well, the se- I bought, bought the vinyl anyway, but the second that I saw the traditional pressing, I was like, yes, another one. <laughs> Cause it's, you're, it's basically yeah. you're getting a completely unique, um, 
version of it, basically the different version of the yeah exactly the record disc yeah exactly and, got- and then the next time say if we ever do another pressing of this so there's i think there's only like 300 or something that you do in a, in a batch the next mm. pressing will be a completely different color so you're able to identify which batch each one yeah, comes yeah. from you know so this would be the first pressing um but yeah so it's a cool little it's a cool little idea and it is environmentally more environmentally friendly anyways than uh than the alternative which is just to get like you know a, a, a normal or it's a single color or something like that. So it's, um, and it's cool as well. It's kind of like a tie dye effect. It's kind of splashy. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be that. cool. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so, okay, we'll move on to kind of like a couple of random questions here. So, uh, if you could change one thing about the Irish music scene, what would it be? Um, that is a tough question. The Irish music scene. I don't know. I suppose like there is like from a promoter's point of view, there's like a, there's only a couple. So there's very little competition there. And I think there's oh, a bit of a rivalry and it seems a little bit, um, I don't know. I suppose the clickiness and no, I'm going to go with the clickiness, I suppose. Cause yeah. the Irish industry is so small that it's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff going online as well about like funding and all that stuff. The same people like tend to get the same funding. Um, quite a lot and you know that can be frustrating especially if you don't have any money coming in and some people are are, are trying really hard as well and put in a lot of time to it so you know there isn't definitely an argument there um but I, and i do feel that a lot of that comes down to this kind of like who's friends with who who do you know who's doing yeah. well at the moment um it, it can get kind of quite political but I, i'd imagine that that's the same pretty much everywhere, everywhere. you know in every um, scene, yeah. like if you think the music industry is massive and like Honestly, there's there's not that many people in it at all. Like, um, yeah, there really isn't. Like, and uh, I think that that's kind of what I. It's just it's just a little bit clicky, but that's just not that's just not me. Maybe just I'm I'm a little bit cynical towards it. That's just my mm. antisocial behavior personally. Um, <laughs> but I just couldn't really have time for a lot of it. You know, I'm just not really arsed with the. Some of the some of the goings ons, but I, anyways, I say yeah. to myself, that's not an issue for me. Do you know um, Connor from Sick Love? Actually, when we had him on, he said that he got um, he was sick of kind of going to gigs, and especially said the clickiness of saying that there's some people that are there for the band, but they're not. No, they're there for the image of the band, for not the actual band. Was his answer, which I actually kind of did agree with. But uh, um, what's, definitely, um, definitely, yeah. Like you see, I like I don't want to be naming bands because it's not their fault. But yeah, I have seen I have seen it firsthand as well. But I, I guarantee it that's it's exactly as I said. It's the same with most music scenes too. But um, but that's the beauty so, of music as well. I mean, like think about the Ramones and and the and the effect that they had on culture. People started dressing differently, and as a result, trying to, they their their identity changes, and it gives them a sense of you know uh, community. So so it also has yeah. that effect on the on the flip side. So um. Yeah, it just really depends what what, but I yeah I know I do know what you mean. Like it can get a bit like, you know, yeah, just following the crowd kind of thing. Like, and mm, mm. there's a lot of like, uh, I think it's just a lot of people think. I don't know. I, I'm gonna sound really cynical here, but a lot of people kind of just make <laughs> music and try and be this kind of like quote unquote kind of artists and make so much of kind of what they're doing and 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 a lot of the time it's. You like it, it's 
you're just like the rest of us. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't Dude, like, yeah, I think yeah. people get a bit big headed. Like people, t- obviously they're in the music industry now and that like a lot of them just want to get famous or stuff like that. So they, they tend to get big headed before they really, you know, you should never get big headed, but before they deserve to certainly on a, yeah, yeah, on yeah. a kind of super superficial level. And, and you see a lot of it and it's like, come off it, mate. Like, who do you think you are? Like, yeah, like I was drinking with you two years ago when you were grand. Like, and <laughs> now you're somebody entirely different. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Oh, not no. you. I'm not that talking about my... you. I'm not talking I, about oh, you. Oh, right. <laughs> I, 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 that's, that's honestly my worst nightmare, Barrett. Like, that, that is my worst that nightmare. Happening. Um, that happening, yeah. That's something that I, I would really not be okay with. I couldn't live with myself as a person if that, if that ended up happening. Uh, oh. And it's something that I'm kind of conscious I've... of. Um, but at the same time, I don't. I don't think once you're once you're there for the music and that's the, that's what matters to you then then that won't happen you know yeah yeah definitely for sure and uh we'll do we always have to do a positive so what's what's a really positive thing that you think about the Irish music scene um positive thing about the Irish music scene <laughs> super cynical if you don't say one now <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I actually I do love the Irish music scene. The best part about it is is this um it is a an amazing place to to start kind of be able to find your feet as an artist, you know. You can yeah. you can make um as as many mistakes as you want, you know. Um you know, if because Ireland you're kind of trying to break out then UK is usually the next logical step and then Germany and mm. um but the Irish people they don't really care about you until you've made it somewhere else. So you, nobody's waiting for you to to do anything here. So you can make as many mistakes as you want. No one's going to give a shit. And then <laughs> as long as you don't do it abroad, um, <laughs> I think the Irish people have a reputation for like supporting people when they tend to kind of break out of it. If you know yeah. what I mean, it's like, oh yeah, no, yeah, okay, so sorry, they're big over in the UK, so we're gonna, yeah, they're ours. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, so, but but once you're doing it here, you can you have this ability to you know make up as many mistakes as you want, and and it's a great way to to find your feet and, and, um, and the Irish industry, there's a lot of people who are really, really supportive as well, you know? Mm. Uh, and it's a great place to, to, I think to start your career. Like I think it really is. And, um, there's a, a lovely amount of small venues as well. And, uh, and they're always trying to support Irish artists. There's a great amount of like radio stations in Ireland that only play Irish, Irish uh, music. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's tons. I mean, like, I think it's a, it's a really good place to start playing live as well. Like there's only so many, you know, the idea of playing electric picnic isn't like Glastonbury, you know, you can still yeah, you know, yeah, play yeah. these massive festivals, you know, and, and you don't have to be, you know, this massive act in order to sure. do so. Um, that is the, so I hope that's enough positives now I've redeemed yeah, myself for the of, last plenty, 10 minutes plenty of positive vibes <laughs> I do have to say that's one thing like I've been uh, like I like traveling on my own and being to different kind of venues and all this kind of carry on um, like in France or whatever Spain but I will say that there is nothing like an Irish crowd supporting an Irish artist it's, it's one of the best crowds you can see like I, I think the last time I saw yeah, you live was Other Voices it was other voices in that. Um, what was the the the? Mm-hmm. It, it looked. It was kind of like a. It was a really small stage, not the one in the bar, the one that was further down the it road. Was tiny, it was tiny. It was tiny. Oh, but wait. there's people there that haven't seen did you. Did you two gigs after, there? You did no. Oh, did you do t- no? You did two gigs in other voices. You did the one in the tiny bar. Um, you were on after Sharon. Yeah, and then, I remember that one. And then there was the one further down. There was kind of like a barn. Do you remember, and there was. Do you remember we couldn't get it? Roe was playing on the first night, we couldn't get in, and then. But uh, anyway, so there was a gig down at the I bottom. Can't it was, yeah, it was. Cla- but uh, 
there was people there that hadn't even people there that hadn't even heard you before and then after like a song just yeah. everybody jumping up and down it was fantastic like really 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 yeah yeah fun. i think that was the last time i saw you guys live the um, that was the last time probably the last time one of the last times we played live played, no it's actually yeah. funny the last time we played live was supporting to the to kaiser chiefs and razor like oh, in, uh, yeah 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 in three arenas so we've been able to say that for the last like 16 months it's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were just in one of the biggest venues in Ireland. <laughs> the biggest venue in yeah. well. Yeah, concert venue. No, I yeah. wouldn't well, I suppose, yeah. Well, you um, not, it's not stadium, but it's it's pretty fucking huge. <laughs> it's is it ten thousand people? Yeah, I know, I'm just thinking if you if you thirteen, but I'm just thinking if is there somewhere in Belfast as well that's maybe bigger. Oh, the Odyssey or something. Um, that's huge the waterfront well. or something. Maybe oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh potentially. Who knows? Um, so the next question is if you were to collab with anybody, who would it be? Uh, collab. I just saw I tell you, I'm gonna say Paul McCartney. Seems to be doing that with oh, people. Fuck, so one. just in case he hears this. Who's he been, <laughs> who's he been collabing with? Jeez, you went. I saw he was collabing with this guy dancer. Dominic Fike. This guy Dominic Fike, uh, who's this kind of pop artist? He's just, I've seen, I've just heard him on the radio and stuff. I've, I've been sent his music a couple of times, and then I saw that he was doing it with uh, with um, with Paul McCartney. So uh, yeah. yeah, so that that's a hope. Hopefully, in my lifetime, Jesus, to be able to write with one of the Beatles would be amazing. <laughs> that would be insane. Uh, so, uh, who, in your opinion, do you think is the most underrated artist? Because, like, I like asking people who's their favorite artist, but they tend to name somebody absolutely massive that we all know. But who do you think is would be the most <laughs> underrated currently? I think um, I thought Pillow Queens had an amazing first album. Oh, fu- yeah, that was brilliant. Uh, in as as an artist, as an Irish artist, uh, and I think maybe doesn't get the credit as it deserves. Although they were on James Corden, so maybe um, maybe it does. <laughs> Maybe yeah, that that song the Liffy was beautiful. Uh, it's gorgeous song. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then what else? Yeah, I think I mean I'll, I'll stick with that for now. Stick with that for now. So and then what does twenty twenty one have in store for somebody's child? Now I know you said something at the beginning, but we didn't record that part. But uh, like yeah, go on. <laughs> you can say it. Yeah, 2021, uh, we're, we're writing an album at the moment. So we have another, we have our nice. next uh, batch of songs um, to be released soon in the near future. Uh, <laughs> that's as much information that's so as I give because I just, so I'm exciting. not actually sure of it now. Yeah, so that there's another EP coming out and then our album um, at some stage. Hopefully, we'll get out something this year, the first kind of single or something, maybe. Or, yeah. or if not, there'll, there'll be, there'll, it'll be early 2022 with the, with hoping to get uh, the songs out in um, in June. That's amazing. Yeah, and you have, June so you have an EP 2022 as well? release. An EP coming this summer, yeah. Um, <laughs> of which I don't know the name yet, so I still need to. Any 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 ideas? Uh, welcome. I still need to come up with that name. You're going to get then, a um, really shitty. And then yeah, <laughs> probably let the fans. Let the it's, fans it's, name it's the tough. Album. It's tough. Album That's an idea. Face. That's a good marketing <laughs> idea. Mm. It's a good market idea, but then you'll get that Bodie McBoface type of answer for that submarine. Like, uh, <laughs> and uh, f- final question: uh, <laughs> Can you imagine if you let the fans name the album? Like, the, the, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> Not by vote. Yeah, anyway. you'd have to commit Not to it before vote. saying it. <laughs> yeah, you'll get some wrong answers. Dumb answers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you enjoy most about making the art that you make? 
is the final question that I have for you. Um, freedom, the freedom, being your own boss. Um, I've obviously found a lot of time the last year, which is great. You get to spend a lot of time with the people, people you love, I suppose, um, more so. And, you know, if you want to take a break and go for coffee or do something like that, you can do that at any time of the day. Sometimes I wake yeah. up at three, man. <laughs> I'm living the life. I can't say that I don't either now, to be honest. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there is, a, there's just a sense of empowerment when you own what you do and you control, you know, who you let into the team and, and all this stuff. And, uh, and, uh, but, but at the same time, there's a, there's a ridiculous amount of pressure because it's up to you to get up in the morning and do your thing, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, we're in the studio at half nine every day. Um, and we try and go till four or five. I usually do a couple hours before Shay just to get my ideas in. He comes in, um, helps kind of put some ideas down for, for on the production side. And then he stays another hour or two at the end. Um, so that's kind of our structure. And we do that Monday to Friday, even on bank holidays. We found. Jeez, <laughs> so we just work, love working. And it's that, yeah. who else, who, who else would want to go in on a, on a bank holiday, you know, and, and that's how much <laughs> we, we just love doing what we do. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I love about, about my job. Well, man, uh, thank you so, so much. That was a great answer, by the way. But thank you so much for coming on. Thank um, you. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, thank you if so anybody much, wants to, Always no problem at all, man. So, so great having you on. And if anybody else wants to find out your music or yourself or any work, can they find you? Look at you. You're such a pro. No plug. Um, I know, no plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us at Somebody's Child Artist on Instagram and uh, Facebook and at Somebody's Child One on Twitter. And then somebody's child just on Spotify, Apple Music, all the rest. And we're, uh, yeah, we're currently selling our vinyls for our EP, if anyone's interested, on our website, www.somebodyschildmusic.com. Oh, all pro with yourself. And you have a tour coming as well. Remember to plug that. Tour too. coming as well. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> November, uh, November, we're touring. November and December, we're touring Ireland and the UK uh, in such places as Dublin, Belfast, Galway, Limerick, um, Mike DePies in Listowel. Sheffield, Manchester, Glasgow, London. I hope I've named them all. That's a wrap. Nice. All right, man. Well, thank <laughs> you so much. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. Cheers. Cheers thank dude. you.